So we've been in a series for the last couple of weeks called Burning Questions. And, you know, maybe you've got a couple of questions. Make sure if you've got a question you want to answer that you come and talk to me and make sure it's part of this series. But it should all build on itself. So the only reason we can be so confident about everything that I'm saying is week one, where we trust in the inerrancy or the infallibility or the fact that the Bible is the inspired words of God. And then next week was all about how you belong to God. How do I get saved? How do I become God's children? Simply in believing in Jesus, nothing else. So those are some foundational weeks that we really need before we can get into this morning's message. Because this morning we're going to be tackling kind of this thought that is creeping into plenty of churches and religious organizations that we all serve the same God. You know, maybe you've heard that, maybe you've even been asked, like, hey, how come you can't get along with so-and-so? You're all serving the same God. Let me talking about you know, that interesting thought. And then if we're not all serving the same God, then does that make some of us enemies of God or enemies of the gospel, and what does that look like? And then like we talked about this morning, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am a child of God. So what does it take to become a child of God? I hope that this morning's message is kind of thought-provoking, makes you think about some different things. It was heavy on my heart all week. And I think part of that heaviness was just some good old-fashioned spiritual warfare, okay? Satan does not want the truth out, and oftentimes he will increase spiritual warfare in your life to prevent the truth. But separate from that, I love you. And what I talk about this morning might, might shift your thought in some areas, and I was worried that might hurt some feelings. And I care deeply about that because I love you. So know that this message is heavy on my heart, and this is just the truth of Scripture, and Nathan is trying to stay way out of it. And just share you the truth and encourage you to not be an enemy of God and, and to live in this knowledge that you are his chosen people. So let me pray and then we'll jump into this morning's message. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for everybody in this room. Thank you for everyone watching online. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, Lord. To, to worship you and learn about you and connect with you, God. Please speak through me. Let them be your words, not my words. And help us to be encouraged by your truth, God. It's in your holy and most precious name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. You know, so let's start with this first thought. We're all serving the same God. Okay, mm. No, we're not. Let me just like be real clear and brunt and upfront. Okay, two weeks ago, the only way to have a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
So if you are preaching and teaching anything other than that, then we do not have the same God. And I would even go further to use the harsh words, because they're not going to be my words, I'm going to defend it all with Scripture, that they are an enemy of the gospel. So if you are preaching or teaching or believing something that leads people to a misunderstanding that Jesus Christ is fully God and the only way to God is through him, then we are not serving the same God. And you are an enemy of the gospel, or they are an enemy of the gospel. So I got this handy chart. Oh my, I should have brought some uh, binoculars, I guess. It was better on my screen. Um, But it's just the world religion. So at the top, you've got biblical Christianity, the truth to measure against. And and you've got a couple things like the founder and what do they say about the gospel and who is the church and who is God. But then we get to these last four columns that are the real important part. What do they view about Jesus? What is their path of salvation? Did Jesus actually resurrect? And do they have anything other than scripture that they're using as this defense or their rules? So you got Scientology, you know, who is Jesus? A man in tune with the divine consciousness, not the Christ. Okay, well, you're an enemy of the gospel. You slide over a couple things. Did Jesus resurrect? No. Okay, you're an enemy of the gospel. You got Freemasonry. You got Islam. Okay, let's look at Islam, a very popular world religion. Jesus, a prophet, not God. Okay, if you're a prophet but not God, and we know that Jesus is God, and the only way to God is through Jesus, then they are not worshiping the same God as us. And that makes them an enemy of the gospel. Right next to that, did Jesus resurrect? No. Okay, then you're an enemy of the gospel. Take Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, and I, you know some of these I like the founder column, because when you're founded in 1879, I just, I struggle a little bit with that, but let's scoot on over to Jesus. Michael, the archangel who became a man. Is that the truth about Jesus? No. So they are an enemy of the gospel. He rose as a spirit creature and deny the resurrection. How can we be worshiping the same God if this is how they view our God, Jesus? Okay, now we're going to maybe start to step on some toes. Judaism. What do they believe about Christ? He is an imposter Messiah. They believe that his works were of Satan, that his mother was a liar, and that he is in hell. Do they believe in his resurrection? No. They believe in the Old Testament, but then they add the Talmud, Jesus' writings, or Jewish writings and oral traditions. 
If that is what they believe and teach about Jesus, then we do not worship the same God. And that is an uncomfortable truth for us to wrestle with because it's easy to conflate and to think, yes, it's the same God, but we believe in the triune God. Jesus is fully God. And if you deny that Jesus is fully God, then you are removing a part of God, which means you are not worshiping the same God. Because the only way to God is through Jesus. And the fact that he is God. Slide down to Mormonism. The brother of the devil is what they view Jesus and of all people. They believe your path to salvation is that you're resurrected by grace, but you're saved by doing good works. And then they add several writings that equal to the Bible. Then you have the Roman Catholic Church. Finally, we get much closer, but look at the path to salvation. How do I have a relationship with God? How do I have confidence that I'm saved? Only by believing in Jesus Christ. So they add to the path of salvation and say you must be baptized into the Catholic Church and you must consistently practice in the sacraments like communion, not by grace alone. If you teach a different path of salvation, you are an enemy of the gospel. This is true of churches that look at you and say you must be baptized in Jesus' name. That is a false teacher, an enemy of the gospel. This is true for churches that say you must show a particular spiritual gift to know that you're saved or prove that you're saved. That is an enemy of the gospel. And I know these are harsh words, but I will show you scripture after scripture in just a minute. Let me tackle two more religions. You got Sheikhism, if I'm even saying it right. Jesus looked like a saint, but they do not believe that Jesus is God. And they don't believe in his resurrection. Now, if you don't believe that Jesus is God and you don't believe in his resurrection, then we are not serving the same God, and you're an enemy of the gospel. Last one, Hindu. Jesus was a guru, an enlightened teacher. Does not say that he was God. Upon his death, Jesus became enlightened and merged with the Godhead. Does not say that he was physically resurrected. Okay, so if you don't believe that Jesus is God, and you don't believe the only path to God is through Jesus, then you are an enemy of the gospel. So we are not all serving the same God. And because we're not all serving the same God by that very nature, the gospel has enemies. 
So where do I see that? Well, we're going to start this morning in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe that everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, you must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets or false teachers in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person is claiming to be a prophet and acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you, you who believe, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from this world's point of view, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but the one we had from the very beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Okay, many, many of the world religions that I just listed actively persecute Christians. In many of their countries, it is illegal to be a Christian or to wear a cross or to pray in public. How can you claim that we are serving the same God or that you're not an enemy of the gospel if you're not holding to this command, love one another? If we belong to the same God and they believe in Jesus the same way we do, then we should not be persecuted. Yet Christians are. So it's a test against it. Do they love us as brothers or sisters? Why am I saying all this? I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. So watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you will receive your full award. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. 
How can that be true? Because the only way to have a relationship with God is believing in Jesus Christ. So if you wander from that teaching, you don't hold that teaching, you teach something else, then you have no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. This is where it it gets even more uncomfortable. If anyone comes to your meeting, or if you're fellowshipping with a person that does not teach the truth about Christ, do not invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such a person becomes a partner in their evil work. Are you unknowingly supporting an enemy of the gospel? Do you view them as an enemy of the gospel? Because if they're not serving our same God, and they don't believe that Jesus is God and the only way to God, then that makes them an enemy. And if you encourage that falsehood, You become a partner in their evil work. Thought-provoking. Makes you think. And then I see this in Matthew 16. Because it's like, well, you know, I believe in God. I'm real close to him. Like, am I an enemy of God? What, What about me? So this is that scene where Jesus is asking Peter and his disciples, who do you say that I am? So he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven revealed this to you. And you did not learn this from any human being. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it would be necessary for him to go to Jerusalem And that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. That he would be killed, but on the third day he would raise from the dead. But Peter, who just had this amazing enlightened thought from God, no God, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, kind of grabs him and, and brings him to the side can't imagine the like confidence to be like oh Jesus like let me correct you a little bit that's what he does he pulls him to the side and he begins to reprimand him Peter he says come on why are you saying such things heaven forbid Lord he says this will never happen to you Remember, he just claimed, come on, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he says, come on, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. 
You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So he's here, he's serving Christ, but he's got this earthly perspective, a human point of view. And that human point of view is making him an enemy of God. Are you considering things just from a human point of view? Or do you try to look at things from God's point of view and submit to God's will? Because if it's a human point of view, not from God, then you are an enemy of God. And we see that again in James chapter 4, starting off at verse 1. He says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Got a lot of war. We got a lot of fighting. We got a lot of quarrels. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, you unfaithful people who are cheating on God, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So if you want to join whatever that movement is, and say, yep, we all serve the same God, and your views about Christ and Scripture aren't important because we all serve the same God. That is a worldly point of view, and you want to be a friend with the world. And if you're a friend with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And I, I don't want any of us to be an enemy of God, so stop caring about the world. Stop caring about worldly things and ask God with pure motives. Tell Him what you need, thank Him for what you have. But the gospel has enemies, which means we should be willing to state that they are enemies. Because if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the only way to God, the only way you can have salvation, then you're not serving the same God that we're serving. That's the only way. As I kind of move forward, I wanted to take a pause and just pull out today's life lesson. The gospel has enemies. Hopefully you see that. Do not be one of them. Don't be an enemy of the gospel. 
Okay, so what do I do? Believe in Jesus Christ. The only way to become God's chosen people is by believing in Jesus Christ, having faith in him. Then you become God's chosen. So let's continue in scripture and kind of tackle this idea. Who are God's chosen people? We're going to start off in John 1, and I love John chapter 1. I hope that you'll just read it and memorize it. It defends this point of Christ being God, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So what do I need to do? Believe in him and accept him, and he gives me the right to become a child of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word, being God, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became human and made His home among us. And He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Then many of us kind of battle with this thought of, okay, but I've read a lot of Scripture and and I see that God has a chosen people who He has revealed things through. So aren't they God's chosen people? Yes, God loves them and has a plan for them, and we're going to see what Scripture says about all of this, but don't let them have confidence in the fact that they're saved just because of their family heritage. We see this in Matthew chapter 3, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. And even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. So don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. Kind of, kind of backing up to a few weeks ago, but where you're from or what family you have or what your family believes cannot save you. It is your decision to respond to the grace of God and believe in him that saves you. Not where you're from, not what country you reside in. And then it kind of backs it up even more in Romans chapter 9. So this is Paul, 
He is a Jewish believer who came to know Christ talking about his fellow Jews. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it and my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. And he says this, I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. They are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Okay, so this defends two points. One is, no one can save you. Paul, earnestly, man, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit will confirm it. I would be willing to give up my salvation if that would save them. But that's not how it works. We can't do that. And by the way, wow, can you see how much he loves them? Would you be willing to do that for anyone? Would you be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if it meant that they would be saved? That is an unbelievable prayer. It encourages me that he loves someone that much. And it also challenges me, man, do I I love someone so much that I would do everything that I possibly can do to lead them to the knowledge of Christ. But it also defends a second point. If he feels this way and needs to do this, then they currently don't have a relationship with God. If they don't believe in his son, Jesus Christ, then they are currently cut off from him and need to be restored to him. Then it continues, God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors and Christ himself was an Israelite, and as far as his human nature is concerned, and he is God. So what do they separate? What do they take out? The fact that Jesus is God. So Christ himself was an Israelite, and he is God. God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promises to Israel? No. For not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. 
Then we kind of continue that thought, man, what does it take to become truly Abraham's children? Galatians chapter 3, starting off at verse 5. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit or work miracles among you because you obey the law? Is it your good works? Is it the fact that you obey the law, that you can have the Holy Spirit or God will work miracles? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And you have been united with Christ in baptism, having put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now don't read that male and female and use that as some excuse that men aren't men and women aren't women. Okay, we're going to get to that difficult question in a couple of weeks. But this is talking about the way that they're treated and their roles. There's no difference. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And God loves that whole list equally and wants to show mercy and knowledge to that whole list equally. You don't get special knowledge just because you're one of those categories. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So who are the true children of Abraham? Those who believe in Jesus. We move over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting off at verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why are you blessed? Because we are united with Christ. Nothing else. There's no way to manipulate God into blessings. It's not your good works. It's not following the law. It's because you're united with Christ that he will bless you. And even before he made the world, so before all this knowledge rolled out to us in his perfect timing, way before that, before he made the world, God loved us or God loved you. And he chose us or he chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. How? 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out onto us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus by God's grace and mighty power. I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Then we slide over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Takes a list of all these people and he explains they are stumbling because they do not obey God's word. They don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God and the risen Messiah. So they meet a fate that was planned for them. But you, I pray, are not like that because you believe in Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe in Jesus, please, so that you will become not like that. Because you are a chosen people. You are God's royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Why? Because he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were enemies of God and now he calls us his children. Once we had no identity as a people and now we are God's people. Once we had no mercy and now we received God's mercy. So dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from Worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Think back to that verse earlier in James. Those who want to be a friend of the world become an enemy of God. So keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Even though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And then they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So even amongst these enemies of the gospel, we're called to love them. We're called to live honorably among them so that they will come to understand Jesus Christ as God. They'll come to see that the only way to God is through Jesus, and everything else is a deception. And then in case you're 
heart was struggling, I just wanted to defend it with Scripture. So this is Romans 11. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news. If you're not believing in Jesus and teaching Jesus, it makes you an enemy of the good news. And that is not Nathan trying to insert into anything. It's just what the scripture says. But let's continue reading. This benefits you Gentiles. Yet there are still the people he loves. So just because they're currently rebelling against God or they're currently enemies, that does not change the fact that God loves them. They are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. And once you Gentiles were rebels against God. So you used to be that way. You used to be an enemy of the good news. And you might still be if you, know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't believe in him. And you're chasing worldly things. You might still be that way. You were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned Everyone in disobedience, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. God imprisons all of us in that disobedience so he can have mercy on everyone. There's another verse in this section of scripture that says in end times all of Israel will be saved. He loves them. He desires them to come to this relationship and knowledge of his son and he has a plan for them. All people desires he could have mercy on everyone. Then we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, just partnering with that thought of God wants to show mercy to all people. And kind of in this same thought of there are unbelievers and enemies around me, how should I live knowing that? I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all. All people. So pray for them. Petition for them. Intercede for them. Have thanksgiving for all people. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants All people. There's that word again. Who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. So God had this good and perfect plan to show all people his mercy. And God wants all people to be saved and come to this saving knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, part of God, and the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. God desires that truth to be held by everyone, by all people, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male and female, all people. He desires to show them mercy and for them to come to this knowledge that Christ died on the cross to save them. That is God's will for the world. Yet there are enemies of the gospel who try to twist that or distract from that. We have to be willing as Christians to say that is not the truth. The only way to God is through Jesus. It's not your good works. It's not wherever your mental capacity goes. You know, in that chart, some religions believe that correct mental thinking is what saves you. If somehow you can just fix your own mind, that's what gets you into heaven. No, it's not your good works. It's not following the law. It's not where you were born or your ancestry history. It is simply through believing in Jesus. And when I put my faith in Jesus and I believe in him, then I become God's chosen people. So right now, who are God's chosen people? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They have been grafted in. Now, God still loves everyone. God still desires mercy for everyone. And God has a plan to reveal himself to everyone. But you are God's chosen people when you believe in him. And this wasn't necessarily how this message started out in my heart, but it's so heavy right now. And if you're an enemy... If right now you don't believe in Jesus, then change today. Don't wait. Don't think about worldly desires. Don't make up excuses. Don't think that anything else is going to save you. Right now, make that decision. God, I want to be chosen. You knew me before you made the world, and it would bring you great joy if I accept you into my heart, God. So please forgive me for all that I've done. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want him in my heart. I want to be your chosen God. 
Just pray that prayer, whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit moves you to do. And in this world full of enemies, pray for them, but don't be afraid to confront them and say, no, that is not the same God. Unless you're serving Jesus Christ and you believe he's the only way to God, then we are not serving the same God. And I will fight against you as an enemy so that you come to realize the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to invite Karen up to, pray, to play on the organ and kind of prepare our hearts for communion. But part of communion is this self-analysis. So maybe you had some things come up in today's message. Maybe you're going back to that verse in James. Those who love the world or desire worldly things are an enemy of God. And maybe you have this relationship with God, but you're over here desiring worldly things. And you're supporting worldly things. Do I need to adjust and say, God, no. I'm not going to support worldly things. I'm not going to chase worldly desires. I'm here to be your servant. So God, please forgive me of whatever mistakes I've been making. Reveal them to me so I won't make them anymore. Help me come before you clean and unblemished. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Make my heart correct and proper so that I can be reminded of this truth, this truth that you died on the cross for my sins, that you are fully God, that you rose again. And the only way that I can have a relationship with God is because of the sacrifice of your body and your blood, God. Let's go to the Lord in in preparation for communion.